Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Monday, May 13th, see Class B girls at 8.30 p.m. Central and Class A girls at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Uh, you know, we're going we're to throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw it where you want to go. You know, that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Kicking off hour number two here on Hurt Out Sports Radio on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We are brought to you by our friends at Warhorse Sportsbook. want to tell you about the Warhorse Festival of Games. You got to go visit the Warhorse Casino in Lincoln to earn entries for their $100,000 prop card challenge and $20,000 grand prize drawings. Make sure you visit warhorsecasino.com for more details. But I can tell you this. You go to the casino in Lincoln for every $50 sportsbook ticket you have, you get an entry into the prop card challenge and a drawing into the $20,000 grand prize drawing. Make sure you're a rewards member so you can validate those entries. Go to warhorsecasino.com for more information. Joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline is Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, how are you this morning? Good morning. What's up, Sam? Pretty good. How are you? Oh, we're All good. Right. Hey, what's up? We're good. Hey, um, you know, as a fellow Bears fan, uh, what was it like watching the Packers just stomp on the Cowboys? Like, is that something that you were like, man, like, I kind of like to see the underdog do it, or I just can't stand this team and they just need to get off get off our island? No, I, I just like the Cowboys more than the Packers. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if you have this, but I have a hierarchy of teams that I dislike the most. Ooh, I don't. Top of that I haven't list, really thought about that. The top of that list is the, are the Steelers because my wife is from Cleveland and she's a Browns fan, and mm. so I've had to co-opt that. And then, uh, then Dallas, then Green Bay, um, and then it, you know it proceeds from there. Uh, whatever team Tom Brady was playing for, that was a <laughs> smart move in my household as well. Okay, so my wife, my wife hates Bill Belichick. Right? Okay, and so. And so, um, is it because of the Cleveland today. thing? Nah, not exactly. Just in general, somewhat, but not not really. Okay. Did she date no, him one time, and and then something went wrong that's there? Not his fault. <laughs> no. And so, anyway, you know, we're watching the Dallas game, and they're talking about, you know, I have the Fox post game. Somebody says, you know, watch Bill Belichick here, and uh, maybe going to Dallas. And she goes, that that kind of might be the devil going to hell, wouldn't it? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, she doesn't like she doesn't like Dallas and she doesn't like Bill Belichick. Anyway, my hierarchy is you know Dallas is uh, is a is below Green Bay, and so like my rooting interests sort of sort of uh, move up from there. Um, so yeah, Dallas is like really low on the list. The only team I would root for Dallas for uh, was if they were playing the Steelers. What? Where does the Dallas hate come from? Is it just from seeing them win so much in the '90s, or like where does it come from? I don't know. That's uh, a good question. I mean, I grew up in the 80s, and so, like, I grew up on 80s football. Okay. Um, certainly the 90s were there, too. Um, I didn't 
yeah, I wasn't happy that they that they won those Super Bowls in the '90s. Um, I think it just probably came from they were on TV all the time. Uh, Tom Landry seems like a stiff. Uh, you know, I didn't. I, I was a Bears fan. One of the best Bears wins in history is they go to they go to Texas Stadium in '85 and they beat they beat Dallas 45 to nothing. That's one of the it's one of the biggest beatdowns that Dallas has ever taken. And the Bears did it. And they didn't even play good offense. I mean, they had like three defensive touchdowns. It was insane. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't like them. I just, you know, I don't like the hype around them. Um, have never really enjoyed the Packers either. Really didn't like them. The Packers were probably my least favorite team when Favre was there because I didn't mm. like Brett Favre, and I still don't. Um, and I had, I mean, until maybe the last couple of years, I had more begrudging respect for Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a, <laughs> maybe the more maybe the most talented player who's ever played that position. Um, but no, I, I, I didn't like, I really disliked the Packers when Favre was there. But when I was growing up as a kid, the Bears beat the Packers all the time. And so it wasn't, it didn't feel like the same rivalry to me until Favre got there. And then that became real mm-hmm. because he's a, you know, he's an idiot. So um, <laughs> <laughs> now Jordan Love, he seems like a lot more likable guy. Uh, the Favre era Packers are probably my, my most disliked team of all the teams. Now, Sam, okay, as, as a Bears, uh, we'll ask one more NFL question, then we'll get into some Nebraska <laughs> talk. Uh, yeah. So my question is this, because when they traded for Sweat, uh, middle of the season, I told Ravi, I'm like, I don't really get this, because I think the Bears are pretty far off from making the playoffs, and Sweat's only there for four years, and if you make the playoffs with Sweat, it's kind of like, you know, when you make the playoffs with Khalil Mack, like at some point, you know, at that position, you're going to age out, but it looks like the Bears may be closer to making the playoffs with Sweat, maybe even as as close as next year but your thought are the bears good enough where they are right now to be a playoff team next year and does it does that uh thought uh, you know differ a little bit if they move on from justin fields and they go with a young rookie quarterback i think they're probably good enough uh, to be in the playoffs next year if, if fields remains um i don't know that that's the long-term best play for the Bears. They have an opportunity to kick the tires on all of the quarterbacks that are coming into the draft and, and decide if they like one. You know, J.J. McCarthy is obviously from the city. Uh, he would love playing there. Um, so they're going to have to make an assessment on all of the guys that are coming through. I, I don't think I don't think Fields is going to get you to the Super Bowl if the Super Bowl is your goal. It doesn't have to be your goal. Um, I know that sounds kind of weird, but like you know, only certain number of teams can get there, and it doesn't have to be the goal. The goal can be, you know, going to the playoffs four out of the next eight years and advancing to the, you know, the NFC Championship once or something like that. I mean, it doesn't. Chicago basically prints money, and so it's money's not an issue there. And and so you know, they'll have to they'll have to decide, you know, who they want to be and what they want to do. I, I I'm very intrigued. Uh, one thing I will say is I'm really intrigued to see how the Ravens go through this this run because, um, for one thing, I think Lamar Jackson is a much better quarterback than Justin Fields, and they but the Ravens have not had any playoff success with with Jackson as their quarterback, mm-hmm. and so we're going to learn a lot about that franchise. If, if, in theory, they really should um, make the Super Bowl. They're going to have all the home games. Uh, they. They have, I think, a schematic advantage over over Buffalo, and who I think is going to beat Kansas City, and so they really should. But if but if Mahomes or Josh Allen makes the Super Bowl, 
and Mahomes makes yet another Super Bowl, and this isn't a great Kansas City team. And I think Baltimore has to look hard in the mirror and say, well, what, how are we going to do this with a player that isn't quite uh, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? And, and I think Justin Fields is more like Lamar Jackson. He's not nearly as good. But he's more like him than he is like a uh, you know a Matt Stafford or Josh Allen. So um, I, and I'm not exactly sure what the Bears are going to do. They have a hard decision ahead. If it were me, I would get rid of him, uh, trade him, you know, maybe Seattle, maybe somewhere else, uh, maybe Atlanta, which doesn't really have a quarterback, and see what you get back, and then and then roll the dice with one of these young guys, not named Caleb Blake. I, I don't think you really want to deal with Caleb Williams and, and whatever's going on there as talented as he is. So we'll see what happens. We're talking with Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald. All right, Sam, changing gears here on you a little bit. Uh, want to talk about that Nebraska ball game against uh, Iowa on Friday. Coming off of that Purdue win earlier in the week, I guess how disappointing was not necessarily the result, but – Nebraska kind of got popped in the mouth early, and they made it a little bit of a game kind of going towards halftime, but really were never able to kind of threaten the way you would maybe hope they would after that big win against Purdue. Just in your mind, kind of walk me through the, I guess, how you processed where you, how you think about Nebraska basketball now, considering, okay, two of their last three games, they kind of got popped by Wisconsin and Iowa, but in the middle you have maybe the best winning program history. Yeah, well, it was certainly a good win against Purdue. Uh, and so, you know, uh, Iowa, I, what I would say is that, because Alec had a great interview on, on Friday night, you know, and, and, and he said a lot of things that I think were, were helpful. And, and um, the bottom line is Nebraska has to go into to every single game really prepared to play well and hard from the jump. Uh, this is not a team that can get off the slow start. And I know they, they climbed the mountain and they actually took a brief, I think, one-point lead against Iowa. But this is not a team that uh, can afford to, to fall in a hole. And they fell in a hole at Wisconsin and Iowa. And some of that is just mental preparation. You know, some of that, <laughs> some of what it is. I would, I would say it's true of the women's team, too. Um, that they really can't afford to uh, fall into a hole either. You <laughs> excuse me, have a cough or whatever reason in this moment. <laughs> you know, Creighton's a little Creighton's a little different. You know, I, I think Creighton can fall behind, you know, 20, 23 to 9 and shoot their way back into it. And they've done that before. Um, and, and, and probably will at some point this season. But, but, but understand that Creighton plays at a pace that is, if another team is willing to go with that pace, then, then, and Creighton can really get it going. And so you, you'll notice that when Creighton struggles, they're playing Villanova, they're playing St. John's, they're playing teams to slow it down and run a lot of ISOs and run a lot of two-man game because they're trying to take Creighton's pace away. Nebraska needs to think like the opposite, but it's not always easy for them to do. Um, when Nebraska goes and plays Iowa, it needs to slow the pace down. But the but but their that their natural tendency is, you know, hey, this is Fred Hoiberg, we're going to play free, Let's rock and roll. Let's get up here. Let's do some things. And that's just, they're playing into the hands of the opponents. We've seen it three times this year now. We saw it against Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's not a fast team, but they are a finesse team. They hit a bunch of threes. We saw it against Iowa, and we saw it against Creighton. And in each game, especially in the Creighton game, Nebraska's out here screwing around, you know, taking shots seven, 
seven seconds into the shot clock. I'm like, what are you doing? Hmm. You're, you're, you're playing right into the hands of the team that wants to run. And so against um, against Purdue, I thought Nebraska did a great job of coming out, mod- moderating their, their tempo, uh, getting the shots they wanted, and then you know taking it right to Edie. And then, of course, the other thing that I'll say is that Zach Edie can't make a shot beyond 15 feet. <laughs> and Nebraska loves playing teams like that. Oh, Yo, you have a center who can't shoot? Great. Mm-hmm. We love that. And when, you know, I've got two who can shoot, and Cricky can shoot, and that's hard. That's hard for Nebraska. And so they're going to play a team on, on uh, Wednesday at Rutgers. They match up really well with Rutgers. Rutgers wants to walk it up the floor. They're not very good this year. They lost two of their best players from last year. They have a center that likes to just sit in the lane. He's not playing very well. And so, you know, a lot of it's matchups. And, and Nebraska's got to get better when they play a team that wants to run of slowing it down. They did it really well against Michigan State because Michigan State loves to run. Um, but in some other games this year, they struggled. And, and I think you've got to go into every single game with a, a tenacity and a competitive mindset. And I think Hoiberg tries to give them that, but they got to do that themselves. And these are, the, these are all grown men. They're like 23, 24 years old and you know, they could kick my rear seven ways to Sunday. So <laughs> this is this isn't a bunch of kids. These right. are men, and they can decide as men what they want to do game in and game out. And I think Josiah Alex was trying to hold them accountable um, on Friday night. I thought he did a nice job. Sam, uh, last thing on Nebraska basketball here before we kind of move on to some other stuff. How much of it? I mean, everything you brought up, I thought, is is fair points. How much of it against Iowa versus against Purdue is just Nebraska made 10 more threes against Purdue and went 14 to 23 and they went 4 to 26 against Iowa? Like, how much of it is just, hey, they didn't make enough shots? Well, I think shot making is not always, but often a byproduct of A, the tempo that you're playing with, B, the rhythm and comfort with which you play. And so, like, you know, I understand that in recent years, and I see this with my own writers. There's a kind of make shot, miss shot mentality, and believe me, I understand it. Uh, however, if you if you watch that game, um, you know I was really in rhythm, and they're taking a lot of threes that they want. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's threes, especially in the second half, were not in rhythm. They were they were against the two three zone. They were two to three feet behind the three point line because the zone is extended to the three point line, and they're kind of taking them between two defenders, and they're not really at their spot. You know, C.J. Wiltshire, that's not his spot. C.J. likes to take the three right at that top of the key. He wasn't really able to get that shot. You know, so in those circumstances, I feel like Hoiberg has the freedom to be able to say, hey, Case, they can do this. The rest of you guys, <laughs> you don't have you don't have that green light against that zone to take that three without paint touches. Like, you have to find a way to get to the high post and then get it back out and and they never really got to that. And so I think some of it is the quality of the shot you take. And, um, you know, uh, again, uh, we're talking about Nebraska, but Dermot is as smart about this stuff as anybody. And he'll, t- he'll often say in his postgamers, he'll say, we took the shots we wanted mm-hmm. and we didn't make them. And when he's saying that, he's not just saying, well, you know, we, we took three-pointers. We, it's we took open three-pointers in rhythm and the flow of the offense, and, and then we didn't make them. If all those could, variables are true, then I do think it becomes a make-shot-miss-shot game. I think Nebraska's game against Iowa was not that. Conversely, against Purdue, they just made a lot of shots that 
honestly weren't in the flow of the offense season. I mean, they were unconscious. <laughs> it was a great night. It was a lot of fun. I was glad I was there. You know, I don't really cover Nebraska basketball that much, but my goodness, I've been there for a lot of weirdly big games. So I was there for No Sit Sunday. I was there on Tuesday night. I've been there for a few other games that, you know, I really didn't have that much of a reason to be there for. Um, so, yeah, all those all those things are true, and, and uh, it, we'll, we'll see where Nebraska I, – I like Nebraska's chances to win at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And then they have, they have not matched up well against Northwestern. And we'll just, we'll just see how it goes. We'll see how it goes because Northwestern has been a traditionally difficult matchup for Nebraska in the last five years. Sam, let's jump over to football. The coaching carousel is moving. One name uh, popped around the Arizona job is one this state knows a lot about. And it's kind of a trio of questions, but it'll build into one answer. Uh, Do you think the state of Nebraska is ready for the return of Scott Frost? How likely do you think it is that he is you know, highly considered for the job? And three, do you think the college football world is ready for him to be a head coach again? Um, Nebraska fans will be fine. I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if Arizona hired him. That wouldn't be the hire I would make. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think Scott could be an interesting head coach in sub schools. Uh, I think, you know, he's an elite coordinator. Uh, the head coaching role takes a level of, um, I, I don't know that he's proven that, that he even really wants to be a head coach. Like, uh, and when he was at Nebraska, I, I don't, I never got the sense that that was a, that was a role he really enjoyed. I think the thing that he really enjoyed was was calling the game on Saturday and calling the plays, which is a kind of authority, but is not ultimate authority. Um, and so I think you know he is, I think, very comfortable in crafting game plans and making things happen and being the chess master. I think that uh, the head coaching role has become, in some ways, uh, just a, a, a list of, of things that most people. Uh, would not put at the top of their list that they were a football coach, and you have to be very comfortable in that space. And uh, there's some now. Is Arizona a school where you can maybe get away from some of that? It is absolutely, and so maybe that would be an opportunity for him. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they what they decide to do. I mean that that would be an interesting choice. Um, you know, I there's there's other options out there, of, of, and, and and you know if he goes to that role, he's going to have to kind of deal with, you know, going uh, the questions and, and having to kickstart all those things again. And I, I don't know what Arizona's looking for. Every school has to kind of decide who, who do we want to be. And if Arizona's looking for a, a fun offense that, you know, wins eight, nine games every so often, and but uh, but has some seasons where it's WTF and uh, <laughs> you can hire Scott Frost. I mean, I'm just being honest, and not only not every job's equal, and and not everybody can do the same thing at the same place. Like that's really important. Um, there are teams in college football that should run the triple option, and they refuse to do it because they harbor the delusion that they're going to they're going to win a national championship that they're never going to win, and so they refuse to run an offense that would win them seven to eight games a year, and we get them in bowl games every year because they're under the delusion that they that they need to attract players and quarterbacks who want to go to the NFL. Georgia Tech had a perfectly good system with one guy 
and they got rid of it. And then they got another guy in there, and he didn't do anything. And the other guy is going to not do much either because they had the system that fit them, and they just weren't satisfied with, with the idea of never being able to win a national championship. Well, that's fine. And so, you know, I don't know what Arizona wants. It's, I, I don't think it's got the national championship kind of coach at that level. Um, but, uh, but he could, you know, he could score points and he can win you some games. I would compare him to like a Cliff Kingsbury, you know, kind of like that. I, I don't know that Kingsbury was a great head coach even in the NFL. I, but he was, you know, he was dynamic and they scored points. And I think Scott can give you all those things. And if that's what you're looking for, I think he can build a really, really good career out there. And, and you know, he, he belongs somewhere. Probably as a play caller, maybe as a head coach, but you just got to know what you get, you know. And 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 I don't know that you, you know, that would be what you were getting a coach that kind of a Dana Holgerson type. That's that's a good way to put it. Kind of that kind of guy. Sam, we got a few minutes left here. Uh, since the last time we talked to you, I'm pretty sure Nebraska has gotten Isaiah Nair, Jamal Banks. Uh, Dante, Dowdell. Dante Dowdell and uh, the linebacker Thompson, not to mention and Micah Mazuka, Mazuka, the, the offensive lineman as well. How impressed have you been with the ability for Nebraska and Coach Rule to upgrade positions of need and do so in a in a pretty surgical manner in the transfer portal? Yeah, I mean they're going to work really hard, and that that, that is a hard working uh, group of football coaches and. And they do a hell of a job of, of uh, mining, you know, data and, and, and working their relationships. And so Michael Mazuka was some guy from way back that they kind of knew that they had recruited a long time ago. Didn't get him last year. They did get him this time. You know, obviously Thompson played for Tony White and Jamal Banks is, you know, uh, looking for another school, maybe a little bit more of an opportunity than he had at Wake. Um, so all these things, you know, and they, they do a really good job of, of working work in the relationships and then it becomes a question of okay you know how do we manage this roster financially um obviously some there's going to be some nil deals out there that are that are being executed that that maybe in lieu of a scholarship or things like that and so i think they've done a a pretty good job of of uh of building it i think the thing that they've done the best of is retaining i mean they, they, they had incredible roster retention guys want to come back for another year of this and uh, I think that speaks well to the culture that they're building there um, and and we'll you know so the additions I think a couple of them will probably be starters uh, and and that's going to be positive but um, yeah, I think they've done they, you know, Nebraska always wins the offseason right they do a good job of that Matt Rule does a good job of that um, now it's now it's just a the long now we wait for what the coaching option is going to be at quarterback if they're going to keep it the same way or they're going to change it uh and then you know we got a long wait till spring uh football it's going to be two months basically from today so it's a long wait there's going to be a lot of talk season before spring football because they're going to i think they're waiting until after the break sam the two things nebraska football does best the off season and talk season that's what we do um yeah <laughs> Uh, that was Sam. a very disappointed yep. <laughs> yep. On Sam's hey, who knows? Maybe maybe uh, they'll play better during football season one of these days as well. Uh, Sam, I think they will. I think it's coming. I do, too. I really do. We'll see. Uh, it's Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, we appreciate your time. As always, we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thanks, Sam. That's Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline. 
you know, with the question you asked about Frost to Sam there, it brought up something in my mind. The a wheels question. were going. The wheels were turning a little bit. Something I want to ask you. Also, Peter King with some uh, interesting interesting thoughts on what might be happening in Dallas coming up next year on Herd Sports Radio.